What is up, everyone? It's Saturday. It's Quali. Um, I've had a busy morning, so I was only able to catch Q3. But, you know, kind of kind of disappointed that uh, Lewis and George didn't have a chance to really go for it on that last lap because of Perez's crash. Yeah, I mean, that's unfortunate. I think uh, there's a lot to talk about regarding, like, just car setups. But, yeah, I mean... I don't think Lewis would have beat them like Max. I think he would have probably beat Sainz because they were a yeah. little behind the whole time. But I mean, the car is competitive on this track, which is good. And um, they have race pace, which is very favorable for them long term. So it doesn't really matter about all the rest of it. It's just that, you know, Mercedes has race pace. So that's really encouraging. It definitely is. I think I think you're right. Probably Sainz. Um, he was two tenths off Sainz. Um, but they do have race pace just watching that q3 this track is so windy it's so fast there you know the commentary was saying that throughout the entire lap your steering wheel is not even straight at any time maybe for a blink yeah i mean that's why it's a fun course to drive on even in uh, video game simulations um yeah zanvoort's definitely one of the hardest tracks i think just in you like you're constantly going you know when you're kind of watching you know, Prez go off. I understand why, because he's trying to obviously make up time. And I'd rather him to make up that time because he wasn't going to beat Lewis anyways, right? Now, mm -hmm. it's going to suck if his gearbox has issues and they have to swap out parts. But I don't really mind it because he was trying to get into the second row. He was never going to get into the first row. So, yeah, I mean, a lot of people ran off track. Obviously, great track, though. Great track. I really enjoy Zanfort. Zanfort's one of my favorite tracks in the world. It looks like a lot of fun. And you know what? as much as it pains me to say it shout out to max uh it didn't look like he had the pace for pole with the ferraris but he got pole and it's his track the crowd went crazy it's pretty epic man like it's a the whole atmosphere of zamford i guess it is amsterdam is pretty pretty amazing yeah no max did a really great job if I'm and he lost time, it, right? And he lost time on that lap. Well, so did Charles. Charles had his worst sector in sector two, right? Yeah, that's right. So, I mean, you could say that for anything. And we're talking um, about a difference of two hundredths. Yeah, and then, you know, it, it, it is what it is. Actually, no, Carlos was only nine, nine hundredths off of uh, the pace. So I don't think Lewis would have got there. But, well, um, his time was uh, he was nine hundred Yeah, and it was ten six four, so two tenths. Lewis? Lewis was two tenths off Carlos, yeah. Yeah, but I'm saying that Carlos was only one one uh, was nine hundredths off of the Charles. Mac uh, no, from pole, he was nine hundredths. Yeah. So that's right. I, I don't I don't think he, Lewis would have got there. I, I forgot he was nine hundredths. I just wanted to clarify that. No, it um, you know, speaking of you know Max, it, it was interesting because it didn't look like they had the pace at all all weekend, right? And mm -hmm. you know. They, I don't think the Red Bull does have pace on this track because you saw the difference between Checo and those guys, right? Like Checo and, you know, Sh Matt, um, Charles and Carlos, right? And I think, you know, Checo and Charles are comparable because you don't, th sorry, Checo and Carlos are comparable because you don't think either of them are really that great, but they're very good drivers and there's clearly a gap difference, right? So, you know, we always speak about this, but like, you know, you can disagree with me if you want, but Max just extracts so much out of his car and obviously the car is designed for him. But the way he likes the car on the nose is really impressive. And that's why he's my best driver in the world. 
Like he probably shouldn't have anybody else that drove driven that Red Bull probably doesn't get that pole. Maybe Lewis does, but you know, Max just gets so much out of his car. So shout out to Max. Chris, Christian Horner said that. He said that we don't know if we can get pole, but if anyone can do it, it'll be Max because you're right. He can extract. The greatest drivers are able to push the car to get that extra 10th, 100th, or 1,000th that a regular driver couldn't because it takes the human aspect to get that. Yeah, and that's why I have him as the best driver in the world. So I just I'm with think, you. I agree with you. I mean, you had Lewis last week. Yeah, but in this scenario of him like, extracting the most of the car and why and your reasoning for him being the best yeah right like right now there's no one else that's doing what he's doing yeah i I also think too when you break things down from kind of just a normal aspect is you know Chekel was i don't want to say he was bad but i know we always say this but it's like is he really doing that poorly when he's against the best driver in the world every single week and you're comparing with the max verstappen and we got it like it, it, it kind of gives you a perspective on the flip side. It's like you got to give George's flowers because George is, is is not matching, but close to 1B in the world, right? So yeah. it, it, just for me, it's like it shows how good George is in my opinion and how, how like, you know, I wouldn't say how good Checo is, but how like, you know, he's a solid driver. He's a good driver, but the levels to it, right? So very interesting to think of it that way. But you also have to give Checo his flowers. Like, you are giving him his flowers. Uh, let me just be very clear. Um, and yes, a lot of people say, oh, like, he's shit or whatever, casuals. He's still second in the championship. And you're right. People forget that he's going up against Max Verstappen in a car that is not comfortable if you're not Max Verstappen. So, yeah, like, Checo is just incredible right now with what Red Bull needs. Like, he couldn't have been a better pairing. Yeah, and I do think that, like, I think Charles likes that style of driving too, where the rear is a little bit more unstable, from my understanding. But that's just a side note. It, it, I yeah. mean, the, the simple way to put it is like if you put Michael Jordan next to Demar Derozan, like it's just a clear gap. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it doesn't mean he's not great. <laughs> it just means it's there's a gap. It's one of there's the best in the world, right? And then there's there's greatness and then great. there's good. Yeah, so it's difficult to say, but I do want to say this before we talk, get off of driving pairings, is this just highlights to me that Mercedes has the best driver pairing on the grid right now. There's a gap between Charles and Carlos. We all know that. And that gap mm-hmm. is closed a little bit. And I do want to say that we have to be, you know, we, cons- we got to be consistent. Carlos has looked more comfortable in the car lately. He's been closer to Charles. I wouldn't say on race pace, but in general, he looks like he's more comfortable with the car. And there's a clear gap between Max and Checo. But like Lewis and Lewis is one B in the world and George is not that far off. He's definitely there's a gap, but he's not that far off. So I definitely like it kind of confirms what I thought all year that Mercedes has the best driver pairing in the world. <laughs> you know, I'm going to agree with that 100 um, percent moving away from driver pairings. It's only 250 meters from the start to the first turn. We I don't think we've really had like a massive disaster out of turn one yet this year am i wrong um i don't remember it so i don't think so no i, I think I mean, joe like that that was the only one that and that was like 
that was a mistake know, from Pierre Gasly. That's why that caused that. But yeah, we haven't had like the front of the grid have like a turn one catastrophe yet. And when I say catastrophe, I'm not saying like literally, but you know, just some some little bit of chaos. Uh, do we mm-hmm. see that tomorrow? It doesn't appear to me as a track where it would happen, but you know, it, it's F1, right? So let's just call a spade a spade. It could happen. Um, when you look at it, right, the next bend after you come out that straight, it's you got you got like kind of like a little bend, and then you got another that uh, turn three corner, right, where you got a you got the bank, and it's really, you know, I guess you want to say delicate. So it's not like you're looking to speed; you're looking to get through that technical part of the circuit really well, and that's what Mercedes did so well this um, this time, right? They were so good in sector one, and they're pretty good in sector three, which is surprising because, you know. Sector three, you know, George had a couple purple sectors there, and I could be wrong because I was just looking at very Lewis had a purple sector two. Yeah, Lewis did really well in sector two, but George had some purple sector threes, right? Like he was up there, and sector three is a very fast part of it. So maybe the Mercedes is really hugging that bank, but they're really strong sector one. But sector two is really for Ferrari, which they didn't really dominate in because you saw Charles get the yellow section there. And obviously, like you said, I saw Lewis got that purple sector two and um so yeah interesting interesting track but to answer your question with that long way to answer no because i think it just sets up for a, dis- a disaster if that makes sense like you have to set up your car to get like good momentum to take off so i don't see it but you know it's f1 anything could happen lewis has had quite a couple starts this year from fourth he it's kind of become of late his... Yeah, he hasn't started on the front row all year, has yeah, he? Yeah, it's... No, he hasn't. But he's been in fourth like uh, quite a bit. And he's, as we've seen all year, not to say he's had great starts. Others have had bad starts. But he's been consistently having no, really good Lewis starts. I think has had great starts. I think Lewis has been so, very good in starts all year. I, I would say my, that. My hope is, you know, is he going to get the jump on Carlos or Charles? Who we'll see tomorrow. But please, like, let's make it out of you know, turn one because last weekend really sucked. And I think they had the stat of like in the last, I don't know how many years it's all, that was only his second uh, DNF, like in that aspect. Yeah. The difference is too, right? I do think that he will get out. And my anonymously for that is, you know, Charles, Carlos all got more to fight for than Alonzo Fernando, Fernando did. Yeah, right? like, for sure. They have a lot more to fight for. So, you know, I think all three of those drivers want to finish a race before DNFing. So I think Alonzo's like, it's all or nothing. Getting a, a win for uh, Alpine or finishing on the podium is more, you know, way more important. You you obviously play the game, right? Like, but I'm just thinking about it right now in real time. And it's just in my mind. But dry, like race start or starting, whatever, however you want to call it, the mm-hmm. amount of pressure and anxiety that you must be feeling in that moment because you got to get a great start and then you don't want to hit anyone. Like, it yeah, is the game so, has nothing to do with it. Yeah, yeah that's what I'm saying. But same. can it's you imagine close. what goes through because you've got all of that pressure building, lights out, right? And you're watching a countdown and you must be sweating, hearts pumping, and then it's all full throttle, but you have to be so aware of who's yeah, around you. That's my point. Is like game doesn't compare, man. Like that 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 start, that adrenaline you get, that might be the favorite part of racing. You know what I mean? Is that first start for any racer? They will say too. Like they even said on the broadcast, which you miss, is 
you know, sitting in the paddock while you're waiting for that. Actually, I think that was during Q3. So you probably heard that while mm-hmm. you're waiting for, you know, to get the analysis on your lap. And it's like, you know, you're there from six minutes to three minutes in Q3. And it's such a like nerve wracking time because you're just analyzing all this data and it's all this pent up energy to go put out your best lap. So it it definitely is like, you know, we don't really talk about the human aspect so much because, you know, it's just something we can't speak of that well. But you do got to feel for these guys when, you know, you got a minute and a half to perform. You know what I mean? Like. That's all it is. And, and you, you know, basketball, a sport, <laughs> it's like, hey, you got all game to get your rhythm, right? And, you know, you get your rhythm in qualifying, but, you know, it's different when you go back into the garage and you're like, okay, well, I'm I'm analyzing stuff. I'm back to, like, you know, sitting down. So, no, it's very interesting. Um, Bro, and we're talking about, like, you got to go out and get it right with one chance on that final outlap in Q3. And we're talking about tens, hundreds, and thousands. That's just yeah, wild. it's it's because like people don't really look at it this way, and I really encourage everybody to look at it this way, right? Like let's let's just keep it one hundred, right? You're talking about three tenths. What is three tenths in the in, in the reality of time, right? Three tenths is less than you saying the, or right around you saying the. Yeah, so if you hit a curb wrong, or there's a little bit of understeer, or you break too early, like crazy, bro. Yeah, so it, it's very interesting, but th- people act like three tenths is th- is that far off. It is in Formula One world, but in reality, like you're right there. So getting that, it shows, but it shows you how close these cars actually are, right? When they're, but then it also know, shows you that how great these drivers are. Yeah, I mean, I, I I would debate that. Some of the drivers are like, how good how good would Lando be in a Red Bull? I mean, I mean, my whole point is they they study these tracks they're on the sim like they are pushing the limit of like okay where and how can i attack different corners when can i break and that's where you have to respect in the craft of oh like they're just driving a car no the thing is i see see i disagree with you there right i do think they're great because of the talent wise but you have a whole team for that you have a whole team but it takes a team to work right exactly but which is fine let's not act like let's not act like it's all driver like the team's gonna tell you where you can break with the data what track you should take what's the line like come on bro like i'm not giving the drivers all the credit it it is a team sport in that aspect i think strategy and stuff goes a lot into the team i didn't um see have a chance to see this and maybe you you will know a little bit more than me but because this track is so fast and so windy and there's these crazy you know, not crazy elevation changes, but with the banking, mm-hmm. I feel like this track probably has some of the highest G's. Uh, I'm not sure. I didn't really see it, but there's 8.7 elevation, whatever the the stat is behind it. But I saw the number when they uh, when Croft you know opens up, so it's 8.7. Because I would I say like on the average track, you'll see three, four G's, which is it's. I mean, it's not crazy, but it's still a lot. Yeah, no. Um. I would definitely assume so. Imagine going around that bank at 200 kilometers an hour. Like, You're going to be feeling gravity. So like it's a no-brainer. They, they measured in miles per hour, right? Uh, yeah, miles per hour. So, so I think so. George, I was watching his onboard lap. It was like 180 miles per hour on that on that bank corner, which, you know, it must be so exhilarating, but you definitely feel the Gs. Even Lewis Bro. was saying, I was listening to an interview where he's like, the DRS opened on there. It's like, I'm sure it's a lot of fun, but definitely a little risky like that's you can only imagine your fucking neck bro your neck on that bank 
<laughs> yeah, no, for sure. So let's talk about, you know, there's there's a couple things to highlight in the mid pack, right? So a, what happened to um what happened to Alpine? Yeah, so Alpine didn't make it out. I don't think their car is built for this. Their car is really fast, right? I don't mm-hmm. think their car did really does really too well on on these circuits. I could be wrong. You could look at the Hungary, uh, kind of for reference, the Hungary track. But, um, I, yeah, that was really shocking. Neither made it into Q three, which made ro- room for Lance Stroll and Mick Schumacher and Crazy. Yuki. I I've, I've been picking Yuki for my dragger, and the one week I don't pick him for my dragger, obviously he comes out and and puts it together. I know, and qualifying. we were talking of, and we were talking about him in the office yesterday, and then boom, here he is. So great for Yuki. Um, you know, Bottas had a tough showing. Joe continues to beat Bottas, which is a whole different conversation in qualifying. Bro, Bottas has had just the turn of events. We said it. He's been trending down. It's crazy. Like to look at Mick, Yuki, and Lance, eight, nine, ten, and then to see Pierre, Ocon, Alonso, Bottas, Ricardo, Sebastian Vettel, all at the back. Like, if you were to just say that, maybe rewind a year or two, like, you're like, what the hell? Yeah. It's hard, it's hard for me to say, it's hard for me to understand why Bottas is downward trending. But, you know, if we want to speak on a positive note, like, Albon's doing really well. And it's just like Latifi's so bad. I think his <laughs> gap was like 1.5 seconds to to make it out of Q1. So it's, it's like, what uh, is it? Yeah, it's, it's, it's not bad. Good. It's, and then, you know, Albon's putting up competitive numbers in Q2, right? Like, I don't know. I, I don't know what to say about Latifi anymore. Like, if he has a, like a, a seat on the grid next year, I'm really going to look at Jaws Capital and be like, okay, so what, like, what does Latifi have on you? What is he blackmailing you with? Because there's no reason he should be on a he's, grid. He's 100% blackmailing you. It's, it's obvious at that point because we're talking Latifi's time was a 113.35. Yeah, and everybody's Alex like Albon's time was a 111.6. Huge difference between the teammate. But, but he, then even the 19th in Sebastian, Sebastian was still a whole second ahead. Yeah, and, and let's speak about that. Like, Stroll destroyed Sebastian today. And, you know, I don't know what happened. I know that Sebastian maybe might not be comfortable on the track. Who knows? But... That's something to look out for. We'll see how Stroll does. He had a little bit of a technical issue in Q3, so he couldn't get out. But, you know, the Aston Martin looked fast here, and he couldn't figure it out. I will say that, you know, when we kind of put things in perspective, this is probably our best qualifying in quite a while. Yeah, when you look at the diversity and results and kind of not what would have been expected, it's really cool. Yeah, it was good. I, what I do want to talk about quickly, though, before we sign off is I want to talk about Checo. So, mm-hmm. you know, you talk about his confidence. I always say I'm not a therapist. I'm not going into that. But he's obviously had some DNFs. He's performed, you know, very mediocrely, I would say, up until last week. Like, I want to say for the last four or five races. Since Monaco, I feel like he's been downward trending. Agreed. Now he's spun out. So it's like, you know, what is going on with Checo? And I still think he's a good driver. I think he's the right fit. But I, I don't know if it's his confidence. I don't know if the car is really that hard to control because Max Verstappen has his fingerprints all over it. But it feels like the beginning of last year for Checo, to be honest with you. It feels like being in 2021 where he is really inconsistent trying to figure it out. But I don't know. Those are just my thoughts. What do you think? Red Bull in this current day and age is probably the hardest not the worst, the hardest team to be 
the secondary driver to Max Verstappen. We saw Gasly, we saw Albon, we see Checo. Checo is the best of what they've had because I feel like the pressure you got to deal with, the car is difficult to drive. You've got Max's dad, you've got Marco Helmet. It's just not easy. So I feel for Checo in that regard. But like we said right off the jump, he's doing a good job. Yeah, I think he's doing a good job, all being said, right? Like, if you told Red Bull that Checo would always be in second place or he'd be in third place, um, or, like, he'd be fighting for a third with, you know, the Mercedes driver like he did last year, I think they take it every single time of the year, right? Like, I think Red Bull's happy about that. They got a one-two. There's nothing to be unhappy about. (laughs) Yeah, so I don't think Red Bull has any issues with where Checo is, but my whole thing is, like, we were talking about Checo competing for the championship, like... Not actually winning it, but but putting a little, like, you know, I guess pressure on Max. A little bit of, uh, you know, maybe they might stir up the locker room. But he's not even close anymore. And that's because but, two DNFs, and he hasn't looked as strong as Max. But like but we said before. let's also call it 100. Like, this happened after Monaco. Max's dad's comments after Monaco. Like, Checo's doing well. He signs his extension. And then Max's dad comes out and says... Well, is it because he signed his extension? But also... It was he was like, in a contract year. He was. I get that. But when you've got your teammate's dad saying that the team is prioritizing check over him, like, yeah, I don't I know. Mean, Maybe Red Bull was trying to give them like an equal opportunity. And then they said, no, nah, we're just going to give it all to Max. My whole thing is he's a driver, though. Like you're acting like you're acting like someone's dad is going to be the reason why his mental crumbles. Yeah. But like, we- come on. He, he He's been dealing with criticism his whole life. Because dealing with criticism when, you know, he actually bought his way into F1. You think that Max's dad is the reason why this... Like, I think I think it's a little... I think you're, you, you, I think we're drawing for straws a little I'm bit. I'm not saying that Checo's... Uh, that affected Checo. What I'm saying is, I think the team said, we're just going to continue to just focus on Max. But I've all... But you've always... That's not like a new thing. You know that they're going to gear the car towards Max. Of course. But I, I feel like towards the start of the year, they were kind of developing Not at it. all. Okay. The, there. You, you think about this, right? They made a new car that is as fast as possible. Now, not because it's a new era. Mm-hmm. So they didn't make a car for design for Max. They want to make the fastest possible car based off simulation, right? Mm-hmm. And now they're gearing the car towards Max Verstappen. It is only like logical sequence, if that, if that makes sense. I don't think they came out and said, we're going to give a fair shot. If they knew how to develop the car towards Max, we're making it fast with a guaranteed they would have done it if that makes sense but they had to probably make the most stable fastest car in the most safest way right rather than taking a massive risk that that was yeah. my opinion i don't know if you disagree with that but i think logically yeah, I mean, it just makes sense i'll leave it there um i do want to just bring up the fact that danny was again i would say terrible in comparison to his teammate the time was not good we also now understand that he did not he was not aware of the timeline with Oscar. How do you we talked about it a little bit, but just quickly, how do you feel? If I was on camera, I'm taking off my McLaren shirt and putting on my Ferrari shirt. <laughs> I'm it like, just... no, but no, like you laugh about it, but that's very concerning for me as an organization. That because, is um the equivalent like, of DeMar DeRozan Masai Ujiri. Yeah, like that's what comes to mind. Is like, you know, I think it's it's professional sports. And you're going to make mistakes and you're going to have to make hard decisions. But when you lie about it to the public and you don't keep your driver driver in the dark, I have issues with that. Like, 
I don't know if it's a Zach Brown thing. I don't know if it's Andre Andreas thing, but I don't like that at all. So it's like, do I want to be a fan of McLaren? Probably not. Like, you know, I still like them, but it's it's hard for me to be be, you know, feel comfortable with it because that's just not the way you do business. I think you got to do business in the right way. And why why would your drivers feel confident with you moving forward? You know what I'm saying? That's kind of where my head's at. I don't know what you kind of think. I'd love to hear your thoughts. I don't feel bad for Danny Ricardo because at the end of the day, he's doing all right. But it sucks. And now I kind of see Vettel's comments like at the time where he's like, McLaren failed him. They did, like other drivers, especially people like Vettel who've been around for a while, maybe they just know a little bit more. But it's not a good look. It doesn't look good on the leadership. And if you're Lando, like, you know, you're good. But what's to say in four or five years, they do the same thing to you. It just kind of shows what you're dealing with. Yeah. So remember, I defended McLaren, but now I can't defend McLaren because Sebastian's right. They didn't do right by Danny. And I'm not saying racing wise, they give him the opportunities because they did give him a lot of opportunities. But I don't know. It just feels like they did Danny so dirty on the communication because they did come out right around Silverstone after saying, oh, we're committed to Danny. And you were never committed to Danny. Oh, there's a legit timeline. The, the, I think Oscar it was July signed, 22nd, right? When they put out the, that. Yeah, there's an there's a official date and then they both came out. Danny did the post. McLaren did the post. We're committed. It's like, you've already signed Oscar. That's just disrespect. Unless they're planning on getting rid of Lando, but we all know that's not the That wasn't but, the plan. And your point was, well, if they were all in it on together, they, then it makes sense. But Danny was not in on it. Yeah. So like, yeah, I, I'm just not, I'm I'm really, it puts a bad taste in my mouth as a McLaren fan. And, and it really puts my, you know, fandom in question with them because that's just terrible leadership. And if we want to call a spade a spade, and maybe that's why you guys aren't the, one of the top cars. You guys are a legacy team, right? We know Williams never had the funding, right? Like, that's just the reality of Williams. But McLaren was competitive when they had Lewis and Alonso, and they obviously had the scandal of Ferrari, but they were they were still competitive in the early 2000s, right? I mean, well, the mid-2000s, 2010, they still had Lewis. Mm -hmm. They were still up there. But, you know, why didn't Lewis stay? Right. Exactly. These all these question marks now come up is like maybe you guys are just a bad organization. Right. You guys have, have the legacy and you guys are taking advantage of it when it, Formula One was smaller because Formula One was smaller before. Right. Now mm -hmm. it's become more corporate. And so it's maybe global. As, there's more eyes on it. As it's global, as it's a corporation, there's more stakeholders involved. Maybe you guys haven't transitioned properly. And that really like it really stings in. You know, I don't feel for bad for Danny as a driver. I'm along the lines as Lando where it's like. I have no sympathy for you in terms of your results. You're responsible for your results. But McLaren just did him dirty on that and the business side of it. So Agreed. that's how I feel. The la last thing before we get to our predictions for tomorrow that I just want to touch on. Mick Schumacher is no longer uh, part of the Ferrari driver program. He doesn't have a confirmed seat ne for next year. Mm -hmm. He does have less points than Magnussen. But over the last, I would say after race four or five, it almost feels like Mick has been better than K-Mag. He's definitely been better than K-Mag, in my opinion. Um, I'd have to look it into deeper. I haven't analyzed it, but from the face value, from what I remember, he's definitely been better. Here's my thing with Haas, right? I don't know who they're going to bring up. Supposedly, Giovinazzi is rumored for a return for that wow. seat. Have you read that? I haven't read that, but that so, just so be stupid. That's supposedly what's happening, right? Like Haas is actually eyeing Giovinazzi for Mick Schumacher's seat. So 
for me, A, it's like, why? Because Giovinazzi is 29. And I think Giovinazzi is a better driver than K-Mag. So I, I would give him the seat over uh, a Haas seat. But it's like, why do you want two 30-plus-year-old guys rather than a young talent like Mick Schumacher? It's just backwards. Like, Gunther is an idiot if he, if he gets rid of Mick for Giovinazzi. Like, I'm, I'm, I would seriously question Gunther. And I'm not a fan of Gunther. But I would just be like... I, I don't know. I, I, I'm i really, uh, like, I'm worked up about this because why would you get rid of Mick? Bro, I'm telling you right now, we got to look into it. Since the Canadian Grand Prix, Mick has just been better. Mick has been so better. There's no doubt about he that. He just is proving that he legitimately belongs. So I don't know what's going on, but it's. I just want to pose the question. There's no way that um, Joe leaves uh, Alpha. Like, the amount of money he brings in, there's no way he leaves. And he's been solid, right? Bottas locked in a long-term deal. So the only viable seat for Mick would now be Williams. Or if Pierre stays, he can take the Alpine seat. It's going to be interesting. There's still you, this could, driver could market is being so strange. World, could you actually imagine a world where Mick is not on the grid next year? I It went through my mind, and I think that's insane. If Latifi's on the grid and Mick's not... I'm done. Forget forget Latifi. Let's say they take a young. Let's say let's say thing takes Colton Herta, right? Um, yeah. Let's say Alphatari takes Colton. Yeah. Uh, okay. They take. No, they take Alphatari. Pierre Gasly goes to Alpine. A Haas picks up Giovinazzi, and let's say Williams just decides to pick up Danny Ricardo for sales. Like let, let's just say that, right? Or or they pick up another young driver. Oh my god, that How, is so like, sad. And my whole point is is like, in what world does Mick Schumacher not have a seat? Because, you know, we we had our doubts earlier, but he's proven he's a pretty good driver. And at the end of the day, he has won in every junior circuit, right? That he's participated in the second year. The second part of that is he's always been better his second year, as he's proven right now. So my whole thing is, like, maybe he's taking Yuki's seat. I mean, Yuki doesn't even have a seat yet. So maybe Mick goes, maybe AlphaTauri goes with Mick and Colton Herta. Man. I'm telling you, over the next few months, it's gonna get spicy. But if Mick's not on the grid, I'd be, I'd be very disappointed. Who? So other than Latifi, is there anybody that like you'd be disappointed is on grid? Like, would you be disappointed if Yuki wasn't on the grid because he doesn't have a contract? Um, I can't. I don't even think about it because I know I really feel like he's gonna be back. So, I'm but not there's a possibility he's not. Yeah, I, I don't know. I like Colton Herta could be picked up. Right, and then yeah. maybe maybe Alpha Tori wants to take a chance on Mick, but I just know that Red Bull's so high on Yuki, so we'll see, we'll see. Yeah, I, okay. I mean, I'd be sad if Danny Rick wasn't there, but but Danny Rick wouldn't be a surprise to you. You know what I mean? Like we know yeah. there's a real possibility Danny Rick won't be. I guess grid yeah, you're right. From a surprise standpoint, Yuki would be the X factor. Yeah, like I, that Mick and Yuki, I'd be really shocked if they're not on the grid next year. Like it'd be really shocking. Um. Yeah, so let's go into predictions. I have, I'm pretty simple. It's so hard to overtake on Zanvoort. Really, really difficult. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to stick with Max. Um, actually, no, no, no. Their tire deck was pretty bad today. I'm going to go Charles, Max, Lewis, Carlos. And I keep betting against them, and he keeps proving me wrong, which I'm happy about. But his Mr. Consistency streak has got to end. Like, it's got to end eventually this year. So yeah. I got to go with Checo. Like, it, it hurts me to say. I, I do think George will finish fifth, but something just tells me that the Mr. Consistency streak is ending soon. So I got 
Charles, Max, Lewis, Carlos, Checo. I got Charles, Max, Lewis, George, Checo. I got. I don't Ooh, have no Carlos. Carlos. In there. Yeah, no. I, Ferrari thing or Carlos incident? It's it's a Ferrari. It's a Ferrari thing. <laughs> Jesus, bro. <laughs> this guy has no faith in Ferrari. <laughs> Let me throw this out to you. Um, why don't you have Lewis? I I think Lewis has a shot to to beat actually these guys. Like he, he why does, don't you have Lewis but higher? I. I feel like with Max and Charles, if they get through with no issues and, of course, bury no uh, technical technical problems or pit problems, it's hard to overtake, like you said. There's so the, I think that's it's fair. really tough. I think that's fair, but hasn't mis- so uh, this this is where this is where I, I would be against your take. And usually, I, you know, I'd be like, no, Mercedes has no chance this race. But logic tells us Mercedes has a better race pace than all these cars, right or wrong. I'm gonna ask you questions. You say yes or no. Yes. Did right. Red yeah. does Red Bull have a high tire dag on this track from what you heard? So I'm surprised you're not putting Lewis for those reasons, bro. And he's Lewis Hamilton. And this is the the closest the gap has been where it's been like two tenths or one tenth in qualifying. And they're strong on race day. So I'm surprised you're looking, the Mercedes I'm looking at the circuit again. You come right around that banking corner into the straight. You know what? It's still very narrow, though. It's still it very is, narrow. Yeah. So my whole point is, is like this is like the most optimal factor for you for you to be optimistic because of the gap is really not that big. We didn't get to see Lewis when the track got grip in his last qualifying. We also know that they have a better race pace and they have better tire deck and their reliability is better. So I'm actually just shocked that out of all races, you're not picking Lewis to win this one. Like I, yeah. I, I would be more comfortable with you saying this one and not have any objections because all the logic points that Mercedes has a legit chance to finish first or at least finish second. Yeah. So I, I it's gonna it'll be interesting, man. It'll be it's interesting. It's definitely gonna be an interesting race today. I, I I wouldn't be surprised if Lewis wins his first race. Like this is the track he's gotta do it. If he's gonna win a race this year, it's gonna be here. I don't I mean he could do it at Mexico too, I think. I think Mexico's a decent track for him to do it too. But um yeah, that's pretty much it from us. I think that tomorrow's gonna be a fun race, man. I'm excited for Zanvoort. I'm very much looking forward to it um it'll be fun man so yeah. let's get it yeah by the way before we do sign off i don't think we can ever get rid of the belgium or we can't get rid of zanvoort again neither zanvoort's so cool hopefully they don't get removed but we'll see you guys tomorrow we will see you tomorrow all right peace <laughs>